Whew, you made it. Did it. Clean bill of health. <laughs> Must feel great. Um, Sounds about the same. Yeah. How are you, Dan? Um, pretty good. You know? Good. Yeah. Life is marching along. We're getting into into fall season. Yeah, this is it. Got very cool here over the weekend. Still pretty cool today. Did it. Um, I was going to say that I haven't been outside, but I was outside for a while. Um, trying to think how hot it was. In the mid-60s. Mid-60s. Lovely. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. We usually get one last big heat wave in the beginning of September here in New York, but uh, so far, so good. This week's in the low 70s. Nice. Uh, boy, life is totally crazy, and tomorrow, Shireen goes back to school, but Gloria does not, so Eesh. I move home to work, and I don't know how any of that's going to work. I'm trying to get my wireless mouse to work with my new Chromebook, and everything's cuckoo, and I... The the early the, the movies I watched longest ago since our our previous episode are the I barely remember even what yeah. they are. Yeah, me too. Uh, I have I have four titles and you have at least four, but I think at least one of ours is do, does not line up. Uh, yeah. It's different. Yeah. So um, I did watch the rental. I don't think you did. I didn't. I almost did, and I traded it for another one that I'll I'll mention in a moment. Okay. Um, I think we both watched Spree. Got Spree. I got the assistant. Check it off. And Tesla. Mm-hmm. And then I watched Bill and Ted. Bill and Ted face the music. You know, I saw you tweet about that, and I thought to myself, should I look into watching it too? No. If you have no I, connection with the classic one, if classic Bill and Ted, then you probably shouldn't. Yeah, I didn't. Um, one thing I did watch though on some social media recommendation was uh, the documentary Class Action Park. I watched it too. Did you? I have two documentaries in my back pocket that I was oh, going nice. to keep just in case we had time. Um, well, I got that. Well, I got that one with you. Great. Okay, so we can talk about that. Uh, I also watched another documentary which has similarly uh, trashy subject matter called "Skin: History of Nudity in the Movies" or whatever oh. it's called, and uh, it's bad. But um, is I mean, yeah. is that the one? Was there was a documentary that was Oscar nominated called that? Is it? I mean, no, that was about a, a, a neo Nazi. I see. And his tattoos and what that yeah, sounds that was very a, different. Right. This is one where, I, you know, I'm not ashamed to admit that it sounded fun to watch a documentary right. about the history of nudity sure, and censorship sure. and all that stuff. That's fun to see naked people and learn about. I the love of censorship. And it's very yeah, it's great. <laughs> we need more of it. Uh, very targeted censorship. It um, I guess we'll just, we'll just get these documentaries out of the way uh, since we're here chatting. This Tell one me about the naked one. So. <laughs> Naked people, history of movies. It sounds like it could be fun. The first half hour where critics are basically laying out stuff about pre-code and silent movies and how kind of casual nudity and sexuality was, you know, pre-code is very fascinating and interesting to see and, and to realize, wow, this stuff, you know, used to just be really an artistic endeavor. And so you got what you got. Um, and it didn't become a business, you know, uh, quite for a while. So. Uh, But then as they get into, you know, cinema evolves and they start talking about the 50s and 60s and 70s, it just becomes a catalog. Uh, And the movie has no discernible point of view. It's only as interesting as the people they interview. So sometimes you get a Sean Young or a uh, Muriel Hemingway, and they have very interesting things to say about their history with movies and nudity. But then you get a lot of male critics just kind of cataloging things and a very drunk Richard Roper, allegedly, I guess I should say. Uh, 
And then you find out afterwards that it's produced by the, the man known as Mr. Skin, who runs the porn website that just collects clips of naked actresses. And then you realize, oh, I should, if I'd known that ahead of time, I wouldn't have bothered. But uh, yeah, maybe not recommended. Not give him your clicks. You could just Google, you know, interesting clips if you want to see naked people in movies. It's easy. So, it's easy so to... how do you Google for naked uh, images? Well, you click into the little box. and you <laughs> Can just, you like, do that on the on the Internet? Yeah, you can. Cool. Yeah. Cool. I think they added that feature recently. Uh, and then, so you saw class action yeah. mark as well. Yeah. So, so you're I, still on your your preview of um, HBO Max. <laughs> yeah, I may keep it. I don't know. I got rid of my cable this week. I finally, Ooh. I finally did that. And I sort of expected, you know, the big guilt trip and for them to charge the same for internet alone as with the package because that's what they, they always do. They stopped doing that. Yeah, I talked to great. a very like normal seeming person who gave me honest answers about what I might actually need and the prices they offered were reasonable. I was shocked. Yeah. It's but crazy. I had a great experience and I got rid of that um box. Um so I feel better about having little add on subscriptions. Yeah, sure. I added I up I subscribed to so many services and I finally tallied them up and they're still less than my cable bill. Oh, used to of course. Me. Yeah. And it's so, everything. Hulu without ads and Disney Plus and right. Netflix, everything. Right. Yeah, so we have a ton of stuff to him, you know, not a competition, but anyway, I ended up watching, but which by the way, I've, since I was watching American Pickle, I watched to the end of Curb and that was so fun. Anyway, um, class action, um, I was going to say lawsuit because that's what class (laughs) action usually is, but class action park. Yeah, so there is this place, Action Park, I guess, uh, in the 80s, for late 70s, 80s, early 90s. In New Jersey, and it's just this death trap theme park run by this uh, Trump esque maniac. Um, Trump also makes a you know a brief historic appearance as thinking this was too crazy for him. <laughs> you know, yeah. little little too ran little too roughshod for Trump. Um, and I thought that this was a very clever documentary because it begins with people remembering their experiences at the park and how wild it was either as employees or as patrons. And it just kind of delves deeper and deeper to just how dangerous this was and how much harm was done and even deaths that took place. And I really liked how the filmmakers kind of compared it to the overall growing up experience of Gen X. And I thought they gave it a poignancy that the, you know, kind of jackass-esque subject matter yeah. um, wouldn't necessarily have had. And it's right. it's just amazing how unregulated this was and how people who didn't know what they were doing were putting these rides together. And you really put your trust in rides that they're safe, even though they seem not safe. But this really wasn't. Yeah. Such an 80s thing. Yeah. Of just, you know, screw the rules, just fun. Uh, and I, I like the point. Chris Gethard is is one of the best commentators in the documentary. He's the guy with the glasses, mm-hmm. kind of a nerdy comedian guy. Yeah. And he um, he, he met, you know he responds to people comparing this to Fire Festival and Theranos, and he says, "No way! This you get exactly what is advertised. Mm-hmm. You get a dangerous, no right. grown ups theme park. Uh, <laughs> it's just a question of how did that happen." And all the details of how, like, they use black asphalt through the park. And, yeah. you know, that was obviously going to burn your feet and highway right more. there. They put the beer tent next to the the uh, right. cars. Yeah. It's, it's wild. And yeah. I can't imagine my 
horror, you know, if I'm getting pushed down a trail of inner tubes and I'm hitting my head on the pipe and all of that stuff, I'm just like, oh, it just gets worse and worse and worse. And when they're describing that loop, can you imagine getting stuck in that loop? Like if you didn't make the loop, that's just a nightmare. Yeah, I wouldn't go on a on a a normal sensible water slide, much less these death traps at right. Action Park. I saw those commercials when I was a kid. That was mm. definitely targeted at me, and we knew about it. I never went. Vernon, New Jersey, was not exactly uh, you know an easy day trip, so uh, we never went. But kids talked about it. I remember it. Yeah, I mean, it just looks so wonderfully late '80s, early '90s, and it's in its yeah. branding, and I felt a little there. bit of of whiplash with the way that it changed tone, but I get why it did that. I mean, you can't, you kind of have to cover the bases with it. You can't not talk about, you know, the, the craziness and the fun. And then you also cannot get away without talking about the, uh, the toll that it took. Yeah. Um, and it was focused. That's, I, I liked that about yeah. it since they had to change tone like that. Don't right. talk to nine people who all experienced great injury and loss, but you know, focus right. it really on that one family. Yeah. And ba- in effect, gave them the final word. Yeah. The um, rest of it is, you know, kind of, hey, remember the 80s? And yeah. with the comedians <laughs> giving their right. their remembrances. Right. So, uh, yeah, it's it, it's not a masterfully done documentary. It's a little on the cheap. The animation's not great, but it's very well edited and very well conceived. And they did what they did with what they had, I think, is, is, is good and worth a watch. Yeah, I enjoyed it. All right. So uh, let's reach back to... Um, I just want to go back to the ones that are almost slipping out of my memory and that would start with spree. Yeah. So I messaged you during spree to say that I, I really hate this um, so much. And then you were excited about watching it. So I'm excited to catch up with our thoughts. Who's going to describe spree. Did, so I just have a quick question before we do that. Yeah. Did, did, was that your ending thought too? Did you end up hating it at the end? Uh, yeah, I came away with, with bad feelings. (laughs) I don't know. Okay. So I'll just talk about it. So Spree 2020 American black comedy horror film. I mean, that's putting it lightly, Mm -hmm. um, directed by Eugene Kotlarenko. Is that how you say it? Kotlarenko. Kotlarenko. Oh, I'm so sorry. Anyway, this, uh, it's pretty simple. You've got this kid who wants to get Insta famous and nobody will follow him. Nobody will will give his page any attention. So he hatches this plot as a Uber, Lyft, you know, rideshare driver that he's going to kill his car patrons on camera. And yet nobody still cares. So he keeps on upping the ante with uh, more, more and more horrible killings more and more uh, brutality and showing how much of a sociopath he really is. And hashtag the lesson. Well, yeah. Hashtag the lesson is what he keeps on wanting to. I mean, is anybody watching this? But the one guy who is watching, who is actually an influencer that he has a, a connection with, thinks that it's staged and he thinks it's fake and he is watching and he might share it if it is worth sharing, but he doesn't think it is so far. Things don't turn out very well for him in the end. Um, what, what exactly would you say was the the filmmaker's point of view here? What what was this really? Uh, is this a satire of how desperate people are to be famous on Instagram? Yeah, I would say uh, indeterminate because it feels like there's an. It feels like this is an end place. You could get to this place. You could get to the things that happen in this movie. 
you just have to lay some groundwork that I feel like they were not interested in doing. It feels like something that was conceived, you know, maybe drunkenly or, or, or yeah. casually thinking like, oh, it'd be so awesome if this happened and this happened and this happened. And then they forgot to give this character an arc to lay any kind of a foundation for who he is and why he's like this. Uh, it just felt like a very almost irresponsible riff. And to me, the social media, you know, jargon and everything was just as cringy as in the other movies we've complained about mm -hmm. uh, for this. It did not feel, you know, yeah, this one used some real, I think some fake platform names and used terminology, but it just always feels so dumb i don't know and and uh i should say joe keery is the star of this movie he's a very good young actor he, he's very, very good in this aging performer he's got famous for stranger things but he's uh i think he's a very gifted guy uh sashir zamata <clears throat> from <clears throat> from a lot of things right snl writer i think yeah. she's on seth uh meyer's show she's great i i don't know you know oh, yeah I, I didn't get really what her character was there to do um she was great though and yeah I liked her having her presence there, so no real complaints. Kyle Mooney, David Arquette, interesting people pop up in the yeah. movie. But I I found it reprehensible, or maybe just maybe just vapid. Maybe is a better word. I just didn't think it earned any of the outrageous things that happened. It feels at first the first guy that he takes out on his spree is um, this white nationalist who's on his way to give a speech, and they yeah. kind of. Um, you know, talking about followers and all that stuff. And it feels like, okay, maybe he's got an ideological prism on this. Maybe mm -hmm. he's flipped and he's going to do like, you know, he's hashtag the resistance, but taking it to this incredible extreme. But that doesn't, that's not consistent uh, with where he goes. Cause then he takes out some party people and this kind of men's rights guy. Uh, so it's not necessarily political. It's just, he picks people who he deems not worthy, but there's no indication of why he thinks that. And what what is going on in his character's past and inner life that leads him to this place? And the other thing I, I really don't like about this movie is that every single type of person engages social media in the same way. Yeah. And it feels like they're trying to make a comment, but it's really dumb. Like his dad is trying to get followers in almost the exact same way as him. Sashir Zamata is a comedian who's trying to get, you know, treating social media. And everybody kind of, instead of looking at, all the different ways that people engage with social media. I felt like this just kind of made it seem like everybody is a social media zombie in almost the same way. And this one guy happens to be also a psycho. Yeah. It, it's really weird because when she, you know, I'm giving up my phone, I'm giving up my social media. It seems like it's some sort of a political statement or some, you know, statement that she's doing this and everyone's like, ah, as if that's what they know her best for. And I'm thinking like, yeah, sometimes comedians are also on Twitter, but it's not like people show up because of their Twitter presence. They show up because they're a good comedian. You right. know? And it seemed like her online, she had such an online following that they wanted to see the person they follow online in person. That seemed to be what that performance was. Yeah. And I was like, that's not a thing. Right. <laughs> right. She has, there's just a sense about her that she's so much, she has so much to offer beyond this material that it was off-putting to see her in it. Like, because she's very, like, watchable and an interesting comedian. And I'd say the same thing for Joe Keery. He's an interesting actor. I wanted to see him do a, an interesting, weird performance like this. But it, it just feels like uh, underwritten, underconceived, everything. Mm -hmm. That's about it. I don't know. It's dumb. It's 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 not zeitgeist anymore. It didn't really take. So no. Yeah. 
what was that movie? It was a you know a couple of years ago now, but that was all seen through the lens of a webcam or a phone. Remember the dad's trying to find his daughter. Oh, uh, searching. Yeah, right. and that is so much about the premise of how it's being filmed. That reminded me right. of this in a way that we were kind of trapped in yeah. the you know being recorded and something that can be can go on social media, and. Right. And how could they have done this so that we actually supported him? How could he have been an anti-hero? You know, because mm-hmm. he wasn't. I wasn't in support of him. I didn't like what he was doing. There was no sort of naughty or alluring thing that you're like, yeah, get that person. Right. It wasn't gleeful and no. a guilty pleasure. And then it no. turned bad and you're like, oh, I feel bad now. <laughs> no, you're just watching. I mean, he's very good. The does. actor is very good, but he's yeah. a loathsome person doing terrible things. And you just watch it play out. By the time he decides to drive his SUV through a homeless encampment under an overpass, mm-hmm. just and literally says, "These people have no social media presence." Right. I mean, that. But what does that mean? What is that an image of? I mean, it, I think it's taking the idea that you don't exist if you don't have a you know, that FOMO. But yeah, I don't know why that. That's not true, though. No, it's not true. It, but of I think course, it's, it's not. It's, pointing out that he believes this poisonous thing that's not true but then for him to carry it out in that much of a over-the-top loathsome criminal way i do not i do not know what the commentary is at that point yeah it's it's bizarre continue to skip it because i think most people seem to skip it uh david arquette is his dad and that's a weird yeah it's a weird thing kyle mooney making a little appearance misha barton what was she doing for two seconds Weird, weird movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so much cleverness put into the end credits where they use all this social media iconography and animation to illustrate every single major credit for the cast and crew. Right. I wish that they had spent that much you know, time prepping and conceptualizing the actual movie. Well, they planned the credits first, yeah, and then they realized that they needed to have a movie. It started out as credits. It won a credit, yeah. and then it expanded it to a feature in a weekend. It's credits adapted into a feature uh okay let's um we're gonna talk tesla or the assistant or the rental we got got, got a big um we can i mean are you ever gonna watch the rental probably not i was already down on it just because of the reviews it looked boring and then i heard it was boring but please oh no i i think it was much it was much better than spree for sure um so i didn't have this pulled up before so give me one one little one little second all right, so the rental is, I mean, they say a horror film, but really it's more of a thriller directed by Dave Franco, and it stars Dan Stevens and Alison Brie, who, uh, both of whom I like to see in a movie. And yeah. so we've got these two couples, and the two men of the couples are brothers. And the one, the younger brother's girlfriend, partner, is the close co-worker of the other brother, <laughs> right? So sure. I was kind of confused in the beginning because I thought he and the co-worker were together, but indeed they're not. And that confusion between the relationships in the couples is kind of a central point of what's going on here. So the point is the two couples of what into in which there's a family and a work relation, they're going to get this huge Airbnb on the waterfront for the weekend. And they show up and the person who shows them in is just a little bit strange and a little bit off-putting and he seems 
a little intrusive, but he leaves and the house is great. So it's going to be great. But then they get the uh, true idea that somebody is spying on them in the house and they're doing their own investigating and their own um, relational indiscretions that they're trying to hide from one another. They're now worried have been caught on camera for this person who is spying on them. And so the events of them trying to both track down the person who is spying on them and then hide what they've done from one another and then find out some of the things that they have done and they're drinking too much and they're taking drugs and they're out of their minds. And I found this to be pretty effective. uh, Some of it is silly. The setup, there's too much exposition and it's too complicated unnecessarily, but the performances are good. And by the end, I thought it was legitimately scary and they didn't explain what was going on. You just had this menacing presence after the people. You didn't know who the person was who was after them. They left it a mystery. What exactly happens in the end left a mystery. And to me, that made it scarier. And I enjoyed this movie. Hmm. Well, okay. Um, I might be persuaded to give it a try sometime. What I'd heard was... Uh, takes like some interesting hints and suggestions and, and tr- seems to set up a horror premise and then just kind of peters out and doesn't deliver on it. But, oh, I um, disagree with that. I, right. I, th- I think the opposite, that it's a little little slow to start and you're kind of wondering why people are making the choices they're making because I would have been out of there long before. But yeah. <laughs> anyway, these characters okay. aren't. And, um, and to me, the ending was scary. I, I enjoyed okay. it. And this is the feature directorial debut of Dave Franco. Hmm. Husband of Alison Brie. Oh, is that right? Well, yeah, that makes some of, sense. Uh, James Franco. That makes some sense. All right. Well, I think you may have piqued my interest enough to check it out. Yeah, you'll still probably hate it, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm interested to hear your take on The Assistant. I barely remember this movie. It's a very quiet, understated yes, movie. Yes, um, I loved it. But I loved that about it. And, you know, I like movies like that sometimes. And I found this just to be a very unassuming uh, a very specific movie. One of those movies that feels like it has to be very personal mm-hmm. to the person who made it. Um, and let me, uh, of course, in typical holds up fashion, I do not have it up in front of me. So let mm-hmm. me call it up. And this is a 2019 drama film directed by Kitty Green. And I do not know if the cast list here on Letterboxd is in any kind of order, but it says Julia Gardner, Matthew McFadden, uh, Dagmara Dominic. Anyway, it is a movie about uh, a day in the life of an assistant to a powerful uh, entertainment executive. And uh, Jane is the main character. We follow her waking up in the morning, driving, being the first one to her office, opening it up. And then as the other assistants, the male assistants who have a very different experience working at this company than she does. And then some of the big wigs who kind of seem to show up when they want and just kind of pass through. And through the whole thing, we're hearing about the big boss, this guy. We don't know if he's a star. He seems to be a producer of some kind. He's a very influential person. He takes a lot of meetings. He has a lot of private uh, auditions with young ladies and uh, we do not ever see him we hear his voice through a wall a couple times and on a phone uh, and we just see what it's like uh, a very kind of gripping uh, understated but very oftentimes a very upsetting and realistic feeling portrayal of what it is probably like to work uh, you know the the not so glamorous work of being in the entertainment industry and um Essentially, without giving too much away, Jane, the main character, 
observes some patterns of behavior with the big boss that concern her. So she goes to HR to uh, make a claim. She's very nervous about it and it does not go well. So that's, that's probably all I want to say about the story of the movie, but I really liked how it was directed and, and acted. I liked how real the people were, how the guys she worked with were total uh, D bags, but they weren't cartoon characters. Um, I don't know. I, it, it painted a picture for me that felt entirely authentic, at least dramatically. So, um, and it really worked for me. Yeah, I love this movie. I'm all in for something with Julia Garner any day. Um, have you watched the, like the Americans and Ozark and stuff? No, I have not caught up with either of those. Oh, so I'm well, I'm new to the Garnerverse. Oh well, they are both great. You should you should jump in with Ozark because it's more recent. She won the Emmy last year. Um, she's so good, and this is just a very different character as uh good actors can do they can play different kinds of characters so she to me it conveys so much emotion and and what's the word that i want stuckness in this Mm. portrayal Mm -hmm. something that i was utility yeah something that kind of either rubbed me the wrong way or it was uh, an intentional thing on their part the idea that she had only been in this job five weeks that seemed impossible to me for her to have such a handle on such a complex role in mm. five weeks to know exactly who to call in every situation and to have established relationships with all these other people who serve the person. Mm. But maybe her being new there was part of her um, restraint. I don't know. But yeah, I, I think that she was just sitting there with a moral dilemma. It's very clear what's happening, um, but she wants to be a part of it in order to continue the career path that she wants. And I think the film leaves it nebulous. I love the contrast in her conversations with her parents Mm -hmm. that are, you know, loving and supportive and warm as compared with every other interaction she's had all day, which is cold or abusive or mean. And yeah. I think that the film sets up very real dynamics. To me, this was like Weinstein-esque, right? Yeah. Where, sure. where technically everything that she saw wasn't necessarily wrong, but she knows that it's wrong. Obviously, it's wrong. And But if you try to put it down on paper, like the guy wants her to, when she makes a complaint, you just can't put together anything that holds water, which is yeah. how this stuff is allowed to go on and on. Yeah. Yeah. And that scene in particular with the HR uh, uh, dude, and I forget his name, but he is a recognizable actor, played yeah. Mr. Darcy in a recent uh, version of Pride and Prejudice. Oh, yeah. Mr. Um, uh, Matthew McFadden. Yeah. Oh, that's him. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And uh, he was very good at that kind of banality of evil kind of thing where mm-hmm. he uh, he seems chipper and, and helpful and, and like he's got an, an ear to listen. And then as he very casually tears her down and leaves her with a lot with a line that is devastating and disgusting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just found that to be, yeah, it, it's a movie that it's like a, it's like a message movie that doesn't have to go over the top. It just is what it is. And it just presents it. And you, you understand that, yes, this is, this is the, this is this experience. Yeah. It, I, I loved that it doesn't hand you anything clearly the person who wrote this knows this world enough that they can write the background conversations 
They can write the little snippets of what she's hearing and they're not giving the audience any context. And yeah. so you're kind of a little detective figuring this out as right. you go, yeah. even though she knows a little bit more than you do. And I appreciate that. I saw on the, the, the review on Ebert's site was saying, like, remember Bombshell and how you've got Megyn Kelly talking to the camera to explain the culture right. of Fox News. And yeah. this is how it is and all this stuff. Um, whereas you don't need to do that in right. in a movie like this. And it's almost more powerful that you you feel as out of control as she does, maybe as confused about some things as she is in a world she doesn't completely understand and you don't understand. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, I think you need, I don't know if you need it, but that stuff works, the to the camera, clever, whatever stuff works in like the big short right. where you genuinely need a handhold to get the material. You don't right. need it when it's when it's obvious and when subtlety and pathos and you know honesty would just be much more effective. Well, and for uh, some, this is like a side note, but for something so ubiquitous in American culture as Fox News, right. speaking of right. bombshell, like you didn't need to explain what Fox News is. Right. It wasn't an expose. It was right just a fun recounting. It was supposed to be fun. I don't know if it was as fun as it could have been, but um, you must have been delighted by the Patrick Wilson sighting. <laughs> I figured that he was just another person from the casting couch. Uh, but, no, it calls him famous actor in the cast list. I know, but you know, oh, maybe he's looking for saying. his. He, maybe he's looking for his next big break. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. That's a joke. <laughs> oh, right. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> but yes, I was thrilled to see Patrick Wilson, yeah, and I was um, happy to see him trending on Twitter today for no reason. Oh, all right. He was Fun. trending on Twitter, and it was just everyone saying how much they love Patrick Wilson. And I thought to myself, That's... well, I just I just saw Patrick Wilson and the assistant. Right. How often does that happen that somebody trends just just to say hi? Right. I mean, they were like, he has done so many movies to be a person who's like, yeah, I'll just not be famous. Yeah. Right. Impressive. Um, all right. I think that's the assistant. Uh, I think we both recommend that one a lot. Check it out. I think it's yeah, just it's sitting good. there. I don't. No, I think it's new enough that I did have to pay, but it wasn't one of the, it was like a $5 rental, $3 or something like that. I think it's just on Hulu. Oh, really? Yeah. I think I paid on Amazon. I didn't know that. Oh. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, you gave cool. a good movie your, mo your money. Yeah, there you go. I supported the cinema. All right. I just described that, but uh, do you want to describe Tesla or would you like me to do it? I would like you I to do it. Okay. I would like you to do it and to also <laughs> give us a framework for how in the world to describe this movie. Yeah, okay. Uh, well, that'll be interesting. So Tesla is a 2020 biography drama. Uh, they left out the word bonkers film uh, directed by Michael Almereda. Almereda. And I think that is the context right there is that filmmaker. Uh, he has a bit of a interesting history. And if you knew that he directed the very strange Hamlet that Ethan Hawke starred in in the 90s or in mm -hmm. the early 2000s. That uh, I didn't know that until halfway through the movie when I looked him up this director to figure out what was going on. Uh, that he is, you know, kind of he straddles that line between indie art house and mainstream. Um, and so what we have here is a very creative, what they call on IMDb, a freewheeling take on visionary inventor Nikola Tesla. This is a biopic that wants to tell you about some of the events. Uh, pivotal events in the adult career of Nikola Tesla. It's not a lifelong biopic. It doesn't get into his childhood fears and things like that. It is just about his uh, struggle to have his 
interests and his inventions get their day. He is a figure who is appreciated much more on this side of history than in his own time. He was always in the shadow of, of uh, figures like Thomas Edison, um, who's played here by uh, Kyle MacLachlan in a very in, uh, fun performance. But this movie is most notable just for its style. It is not a typical traditional costume biography drama that walks you through and shows you where he got his ideas and when he had his big moment and what his challenges were and how he overcame them. This is a, as they say, freewheeling creative uh, film. And early on in the movie, um, what's her name? Uh, Anne Hewson. I'm sorry, Eve Hewson. <laughs> Eve Hewson, who is the daughter of U2's Bono. Uh, is playing Anne Morgan, the daughter of J.P. Morgan, who ended up having kind of a uh, sort of relationship with Nikola Tesla. She, the mo- early on in the film, it cuts to her. She's narrating the the film in the early passages and towards the end. And at one point, she looks at the camera, starts talking about Tesla in the past tense, and then opens a laptop and talks about the Google results when you look when you Google Nikola Tesla. So this is a movie that is filled with anachronistic, strange, unexpected moments. There are scenes filmed in front of obvious paintings and backdrops. Their characters are all on roller skates at one point. There's an ice cream fight with Thomas Edison. Uh, There's some singing at the end I don't get too specific about, but I thought it was just (laughs) on top of everything else. It was like, of course, of course this is happening at the end of the movie. And uh, let's see, we've also got... Who else is in the film? I'm thinking of Jim Gaffigan, who's yeah, Gaffigan. Uh, trending on Twitter this week. Yeah. And he's playing Woodhouse. Is that his name? He's, he's not on the Westinghouse. Yeah. Westinghouse. Uh, very interesting turn. Interesting characterization. Josh Hamilton is here as uh, Robert Underwood Johnson, who is a financier or a partner or somebody. In, I think maybe a journalist, actually. I don't know. This movie is cuckoo bananas. I really appreciated its creativity. I had moments of delight with it, but I don't know that it adds up to much of a movie. I don't come away with very much, except that was a real trip. What did you think, Dan? Yeah, I agree with you on that. Like, it was strange enough to keep me from being bored, but I also wasn't interested. You know, it's it seemed like a, I don't know, a ninth grade report that you played some videos that you and your friends played the parts after school the movie poster like have you seen the movie poster for xanadu it's like the same thing yeah yeah like it's like similar lettering and similar just face of the hero so if this were just done straight and in history without the narration it would have been boring as hell so boring because it just isn't really interesting that someone wasn't appreciated in their time you know that's that's not interesting And it, there was a little like it was a little Hamilton-esque in what it was trying to do. Like, oh, this person should have been more appreciated. And then they had this foil in their time that everybody's heard of and who's way more famous. But this person should have been more famous. Um, but now that's just me, you know, criticizing what's there. Since they did it this way, I liked the surprises. I liked the strangeness with the backgrounds at times. Um the performances are are fine to good. I thought that uh, especially like Jim Gaffigan was very surprising and wonderful. Um, I like to see Ethan Hawke and Kyle MacLachlan too. Mm-hmm. I think I maybe learned a thing or two about who this person even was because um, I wasn't really aware of his existence and now I am. Um, but I think it's more like 
like a pageant or or a history lesson than a piece of art that had an impact on me. Yeah, it would almost be better to do a film like this about someone we know too much about mm-hmm. so that you can afford to play. Instead, right. I really don't know much about Tesla and this didn't convince me. You know, I know that his achievements are monumental. I know that people really appreciate him in our time and uh they might be giants have a song about him and all the things he's done that people don't realize he contributed to science but that that alone is not necessarily enough for a biopic so i don't know it'd be almost better to take somebody that we think we know too well and then do the crazy biopic with the creative wackiness in it yeah and the only interesting things that happened they doubled back with well that didn't happen but here's the boring thing that did right. happen yeah and I'm just like you're you're making this up. You're creating this world. Why don't you keep the interesting thing? Don't waste time on it and then tell us that it didn't happen. Yeah. He has a bit of an obsession with the French actress. Oh, she's French? No, she's European. Sarah Bernhardt. Uh that's not a very French name. Maybe it is a French name. I don't know. She speaks French. <laughs> and she's played by Rebecca Dayen. And I don't know that that whole thing to me was a little bit biopic cheesy. I I felt like her be i'm a friend check i don't know how you portray right you know, a kind of libertine european actor from the 40s or whatever without it just feeling like yeah you know, i don't know i'm more than a french stage actress who starred in some of the most popular plays from the late 19th and early 20th centuries right. Right. you know like those kind of lines <laughs> yes right citation needed right. um <laughs> yeah uh yeah i don't know it, it it some of it felt a little drunk history because <laughs> yeah. it was so wacky and you know, in costumed and uh, it it was a lot of fun. It's worth seeing. I think it's relatively short. I rec- I give it a recommendation, but it's a it's a marginal one. Did Edison pull out a cell phone in the bar? Yes, he, he did. did. Right? Yes, okay. he did. Just casually yeah. checking his messages. I guess why not at that point? Um, all right. I think we are pretty much coming to the end. I do have, I saw Bill and Ted. I guess I can say a thing about it since it's new and, and people might be wondering. Um, Everyone so you have it. not seen a Bill and Ted film. Is that correct? No. Okay. So it's a, it's a comedy series from the mid eighties. Uh, it's really only been two films and only really only the first one is legendary. The second one was okay, but it's Keanu Reeves and Alex winter. And they played, you know, very early on in his career. Keanu Reeves is playing kind of a dumb, surfer dude california kid character who's not not great at school and he's going to go he's going to get sent to military school if he doesn't pass history and what do you know there's this magical time traveling phone booth and so they go back and they meet historical figures and it's a you know it's a dumb 80s comedy with a good kind of uh special effects heavy gimmick and uh it's quotable and memorable and fun and here we are a long time later 20 30 years later and we're getting a third installment with the original writers and with alex winter and keanu reeves uh and it's good it's fine it's fun i liked i personally really enjoyed that it captures the spirit of the original it's not a depressing update where it's trying to be all 2020 and show how bad life is now it very much just continues the goofy spirit of the original um, it's not great. It doesn't all work, but it's um, super fun. Kristen Schaal is in there and uh, Kid Cudi and just some interesting people that they put in the movie. It's fun. If you like Bill and Ted, it's worth checking out. That's all I'll say. Did we do it? Is that all the movies? It felt like a lot of movies. We did it. We did it. It's 311. I have, I have four minutes. 
All right. Oh, wow. Okay. Then um, that's it. We really have done it. And uh, thank you, Dan, for watching movies. Yeah. It's, uh, they sure do pile up. They do. Life's getting a little crazy. I don't know. Maybe some point we'll be able to go back to weekly. I'm still feeling kind of more comfortable with the, the bi-weekly approach. Yeah, this, this is working fine for me. Okay. So then we'll see what we accumulate by next time. And um, I have no plans to go to a theater anytime soon. I need to know that it's all clear before I do that. But I don't know. Hopefully before too long, we'll get back to that place where we can go to the movies. I was thinking of driving down for Tenet. Yeah. Thinking of being one of those people. That movie looks so boring and serious. Well, it, it looks it looks so complicated. Yeah, I know it feels like it feels like I'm in the spotlight when I go to a Nolan movie now. Right. Like, okay, you got to keep up and you got to appreciate it. It's really serious and it's right. really inventive and it's the new thing. Are you ready for this? And I'm kind of not. But... I'm not ready to be the kind of guy who's into it. Right. <laughs> right. Not ready to be that guy. No. Yeah. So uh, we'll we'll see. Well, I'm sure we'll catch up with it at some point, but. Uh... Nolan will not let us watch it at home. I know that much. He'll come here and cut our cords for us if if he has to. Thanks for listening and uh, being with us yet again, whoever you are um, out there. This has been our podcast. We're Dan and Josh. And uh, the music's by Jonah Rapino. You know the deal. The show's called Hold Up. You're listening to it. You're subscribed to it. You got it on your device somehow. So you obviously know what's going on. Thanks a lot. See you next time. Bye, Dan. Bye. Bye. All right.